even more. Even more marketing. Even more compassion. Even more finance. Even more people serving. Even more love. Even more Bible study. Even more facilities. Even more opportunity. Even more mission. Even more hope. Even more ministries. Even more chairs. Even more teaching. Even more worship. Even more morning tea. Even more car parks. Even more older people. Even more young people. Even more organizations. Even more concerts. Even more fun. Even more liturgy. Even more lighting. Even more respect. Even more boldness. Even more photocopiers, even more Jesus. This week I've been pondering the question, what does this church need even more of? And the responses I've just read are from real people in this church. Some from conversations that I've had in recent times, and some from asking the question this very week of people in our congregation. As we can see, the answers are very varied. Some might make us chuckle a little. Some might hit us harder than others. And this got me to thinking about what sums up the heart of all of these answers, even the ones that might seem a little bit off-center to us. I've become convinced this week that at the heart of all of these answers is a desire for even more of one thing, even more kingdom We all have thoughts and ideas of what this looks like, but I believe there are two parts to us seeing more of God's kingdom in our own lives and here in our church. And I think Jesus tells us about these things in today's gospel reading as he talks of the kingdom. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. The kingdom of God in us and in our world starts small, like a mustard seed. Jesus said that the kingdom started small, little. And you know this kingdom started in you as a small seed of truth in your heart and in your life. And churches, when they begin, they start small. They start little. They grow. Jesus said that the kingdom is like a mustard seed. He also said in other passages that the kingdom is not of this world. And it's not necessarily about mankind's projects or even perhaps exterior things we might wish to quantify, calculate or analyze. Even perhaps some of the things mentioned before in the long list. But this is a little bit of a paradox, though, because the kingdom is spiritual, but it is definitely physical, right? We experience it. We see it in one another. It has results. It has fruit, like the tree. 
This mustard seed grows. It grows in us. It can grow into a great tree or a bush up to nine feet tall or 2.7 meters from a small seed. Jesus said that someone sows this seed and commentators believe this to be Jesus referring to himself. Jesus being the one who sows the seed of the kingdom. It's important to note though that parables are not clean analogies. Not everything corresponds to something else in every instance. Some parables have more correspondence than others but not all parables. Commentators have theorized here about what all of the different things in this parable could mean. What do the birds mean? What does the nest mean? What does the tree mean? Is it even a tree? Is it a plant? But the problem with this complicated view of this parable is that that is actually not how parables were seen and received in the time of Jesus. A parable was designed to convey one major truth, one key major thing. The seed grows, it grows so large that birds can perch in its branches. That these birds came and make their home in the kingdom. They can dwell in the kingdom. They can live in the kingdom. Something that was small has grown to become great. And they live in it. I think this is very important for us. We must choose to make our home the kingdom of God. We must choose to make our home the kingdom of God. And this speaks to me of the idea of priorities in our lives. If we want to see the kingdom grow in us and through us and in the world and in our church, it must be priority in our lives. The kingdom must be our home. When we look at our lives, when we take stock take, do our priorities stack up to what we say? Or are other things really the first priority? in our lives, other than God. Now this doesn't mean we abandon all other responsibilities. It often just means we need to realign our priorities. Maybe our job or our relationships, our finances, our leisure, our spare time needs to be realigned with the kingdom. Even more kingdom come means realigning our priorities to that of God. Is the kingdom our home? inside? Or is it just a place we visit on occasion? We live in a tourist city on the Gold Coast. It's easy to go and see things, but to be planted, to be cultivated, to grow, to be at home means much more. It takes commitment. Secondly, Jesus went on to speak of yeast as a picture of the kingdom. Again, he said, to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Jesus is talking here of transformation that occurs. Just as the small seed transforms into a tree, a plant, a large plant. The kingdom, like yeast, can transform into something great. I don't know about you, but I love bread. Anyone else like bread? Lovers of bread in the room? Just a sip and slab of butter on it and soup. Yum. Already thinking about lunchtime right now. Bread is good. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. Once it grows, it's beautiful. Sometimes it's not great in the early stages. Have you ever tasted yeast early on? 
Before it turns into bread? Unless there's Vegemite lovers in the room. Any Vegemite lovers? Yeah, there's there's a few of us who could enjoy Vegemite. That's not everyone's taste. But it grows and turns into something beautiful. And sometimes sometimes that's a hard process. There's another product that I really like that involves yeast. And I checked with Stuart that it was okay for me to use this one. (laughs) Love a good beer. Regardless of the product, though, the yeast, the kingdom, is the starting point for this great result. It's not man's work that provides growth in the kingdom, that builds this kingdom of God. The leavening that causes the bread to rise and the sugars that are converted to alcohol in beer happens because of the yeast. The yeast. And a timely example, corresponding picture for us as a church, is what is happening outside of our doors in construction, out here. This building is not the kingdom. The construction outside is not the kingdom. It is what God is doing inside of us to produce this great product that is the kingdom at work. And once the construction is done outside, it's not just enough that it be inside of us. It must come out of us and reach those beyond these walls. It's what we do in sharing the kingdom at work that will really count when it all comes down to it. In these two parables, Jesus is teaching us that he is the one that provides the growth and the results and the final product. And this is really important for us to understand. The problem is we as humans feel like we control everything or we can control everything, and the truth is we cannot. We must rest in the hands of the Creator, the one who controls, who can. We are very results-focused. We get in our heads that things have to look a certain way. More car parts, more photocopiers. I don't need to just signal out those ones, but... We think that things have to look a certain way in order to be God's kingdom at work. Success needs to be a certain way. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like that. Billy Graham once said this, that our world is obsessed with success, but how does God define success? Success in God's eyes is faithfulness to his calling. Faithfulness to his calling. God provides the increase, not us. He provides the results. We just need to be faithful. Even more kingdom come means realign priorities and secondly, faithfulness to what he has asked us to do as individuals and as a church. Faithfulness to what he has asked us to do. The last bit of our gospel reading today is a hard passage. Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. When once the owner of the house has got up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then in reply, he will say to you, I do not know where you come from. What a shock for many this will be when that day comes. We'll profess God, but we... We ate with you, we drank with you, we knew you. To follow Jesus is the narrow door, not the wide one. 
It's to prioritize the kingdom and to be faithful. Prioritize the kingdom and be faithful. It is to be known by him. To know and be known by him. Our God is loving and merciful. A God who gave himself for us. And we must never forget this, especially when we read passages like this in the scriptures. We must never forget that God is merciful and loving. But we must also never forget that he is a holy and just and righteous God. And he won't accept platitudes or mere words from us. My old youth pastor used to quote um, the last of Hebrews. It's Hebrews 12, 29 and 30. And uh, it's a, you may know it by, by memory. And this little picture might give you a, a little bit of an inclination. It goes a bit like this. He'd say it tongue in cheek with a bit of an ad lib. He'd go, smile, church. Our God is a consuming fire. God wants us all. He wants all of us. Not just part. He doesn't want you to be a tourist. He wants you to make your home. Kingdom of God. He wants all of you, not just some of you. Not just your Sunday. He wants your Monday to Friday and Saturday. That doesn't mean we become slaves to the church or work ourselves to the bone dry. He wants all of your heart. It's clear in these verses that knowing him or knowing of him is not enough. His grace is enough, but just having a surface level relationship with Jesus will not open the door. God wants everyone to come to him, to his kingdom. But it is real, genuine relationship with Jesus that counts, not surface level, not words. The kingdom as a seed grown and cultivated in our hearts and lives and reaching out. Verse 29 of our reading says a powerful thing. It says, Then people will come from east and west, from north and south, and they will eat in the kingdom of God. From all over the world, people will come. They will come in the final kingdom. It will be a beautiful thing. Diversity. A wonderful and glorious truth. But now, while we are here, God's kingdom in all its fullness is yet to come. And we are here to anticipate and to serve him. Now. And this is our vision as a church. This is our vision. Revealing more of God through who we are because of who God is. Even more. That's the kingdom. That is the kingdom. The final part of our verses this morning in this reading are actually harken back to the very start of our Even More series, which was a few weeks ago. I find it very hard to remember back a message a few weeks ago, but Stuart preached a couple of messages on our Even More series. Even More Foolishness was his first one. And Stuart mentioned that the ways of God often seem foolish to the world, just as we talked about a moment ago in regard to success. Jesus says at the end, of the passage this morning. Indeed, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. This is often called the great reversal, a turnaround. Often Jesus taught 
like this, the things we would not expect. Love your enemies? What? Jesus and the kingdom often doesn't work the way that the rest of the world works. Jesus radically laid down his life for us, and in turn, you would think that means, oh, we should live in freedom and joy. Yes, that's also true, but we are called to lay down our lives for his. To those outside the kingdom, this seems like a foolish thing, a a crazy thing. People might even ask you, why do you spend so much time, why do you even bother going to church? Why do you go to that Bible study during the week? Why would you give money to that? To the church or to that mission organization? Why would you do that? Why would you get up early in the morning and pray? Or late at night and pray? Or go to a service during Christmas time at 12 o'clock at night? Why would you do that? It seems like lunacy. Foolishness. I know why we do those things. We do them for even more kingdom come. Because we believe what we say and what we sing and talk about on a Sunday and during the week. We, we believe it to be true. We've taken it seriously in our lives. We are planted. We are rooted. The kingdom is our home. It's not a place we visit. And we may see the list of even more things that I mentioned at the beginning. We may see them. We might even see all of them. And we might not. But we will see the kingdom come. If we get our priorities right and we're faithful to his call, we will see our world changed and we will also see the world outside these doors change. Our world shaken for the gospel, for the kingdom. Even more kingdom come. Amen. Please stand as we sing together.